Thank you for listening to Living Word Christian Church's podcast. Last week we began this journey about prayer with Jesus, and, and as we looked at this journey about prayer with Jesus, we, we learned something that, uh, that, that, that there's something about praying a certain way. There's a sort of a right way to pray, and, and of course, whenever, if you were having a, a dinner at your home, Thanksgiving dinner, and, and Uncle Barney prayed, I'm, I'm sure none of you would say, well, you prayed wrong. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that, right? We wouldn't do that. Because it, cause it would be offensive to us, to, for someone to say that to us. To, so, so, you know, and yet, yet, whenever some Jewish boys came up to Jesus and asked him, teach us to pray, he didn't say, well, there isn't a, a right way pre, pre, to pray. Just talk to God. That's all you need to do. No, actually, Jesus, what he did was he answered the question. He took it seriously. And, and so he answers that question. And so last week, we, we talked about it, about Matthew 6, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, and we learned the purpose of prayer was about an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's, it's about having that intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father, and that's what prayer is about. That's, that's the focus of what prayer is about. And then I, I encourage you to pick a, a, a regular, a private place and a regular time to pray. A private, a private place, a place where you could be by yourself, maybe it's to go to a closet. For me, I often come here very early in the morning, uh, between 6 and 6.30, and I spend time in my office praying. That's, what, that's, that's where my private, private place is and my, my regular time is. It's typically over there. Sometimes it's at the house, but typically that's what, what, what I do. And I spend some time with my Heavenly Father. Now, I became first really interested in prayer whenever I was in Bible college. I... I I didn't under, you know, understand much about, bio, about prayer, and, and so when I was in my sophomore year, after a very tumultuous year during my, soft, my, my freshman year, and I entered into my, to my sophomore year sort of down and sort of out, and, and uh, so a bunch of friends of mine and, and myself went to Ironton, Ohio. Everybody had been to Ironton, Ohio? I mean, it's, it's the metropolitan area. I mean, it's really small, and there's nothing there, but in Ironton, Ohio... There was a professor from Ozark who came there. His name was Don DeWelt, Ozark Christian College. And Don DeWelt opened up the Word of God to us and talked about prayer. And what he did, he started out the, the, one of his messages with this. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from the world of care. bids me at my Father's throne, makes all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief. And often escaped the tempter's snare by thy return. You haven't prayed an hour in your life. And that's how he started out the message. And for some reason, that hit me, and it, and it touched me. And, and so during my sophomore year, during my sophomore year, I entered into a time where I would try to pray an hour every day. And I prayed between 4 and 5 o'clock, right around there, because I knew my roommate would be gone because he had to work and, and do some work. And it was right before lunch or supper, so no one would come and bother you because, you know, supper, college students. And so I'd go into my dorm room, and I would pray. Now, what do you do with it for an hour in prayer? And so he helped teach us what to do for an hour in prayer in developing this relationship with God. So, if prayer is about a relationship with God, what do you do with that time? And that doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that your time with God has to be an hour. It's not about the time. It's really not. It, it, but there needs to be some time. And, and in prayer, it being about a relationship, it's more about a relationship than a request. It's more about, about getting 
with God than getting from God, that, that we look at prayer not simply as a, you know, a thing, a to-do list, something to check off my list in order to have a relationship with God. And, and the reason that we don't want to just simply come here and dump our, our, our needs off to God, um, just sort of like dumping a, a load truck or, or, or signing up for some stuff off the internet, the reason we don't do that, or ought not to do that, is because God already knows what we need before we ask Him. And so God wants us to have the relationship first. That, that's the first thing he wants us to do. And so we don't need to spend all kinds of time on what we need or what we want or what we wish, but rather we can spend our time in a little bit more productive way. And so whenever the disciples came and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, he began it like this. He says, this then, in light of what I've talked about before, in light of the idea that it's about a relationship and not about a request, this then, he says, is how you should pray. Now, now I want you to know that this is a, not a, a formula prayer that Jesus gives us called the Lord's Prayer. It's not a formula prayer. A matter of fact, if you look, compare Matthew's version and Luke's version, you'll see they're different. And so whenever you're looking at the Luke's version, you'd say, Jesus, you don't know the Lord's Prayer. I mean, what's wrong with you? You know, you didn't get it right. You missed some things, okay? You didn't get it quite right. It's not, it's not, it's not right, right for you. You know, it's not, not quite, quite right. You know, they're not, not the same. And so he says, this then is how you should pray. This is the, the model that, that you and I ought to have. This is, the, um, this is the pattern, and this is sort of the plan of prayer. And, and where do you start with it, and how do you end with it, and, and what are the things in between? And so the first thing we're going to see what, what, what Jesus does is he teaches us how to pray. He says, declare God's greatness. He shows us to the, the declare God's great, greatness. Um, when he says, he says this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Never again, it says our Father. Our means we don't go to God as an only child. We never go to God as an only child. We go to him as a person who's connected to others. Okay? Our Father. Relation. It's a relationship, isn't it? One we respect and are dependent upon. Who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, great is your name. That idea of hallowed means to be set apart, to be, to be different, to be unique. Someone who's Different in our lives. That relationship with God is to be different than any other relationship that we have. And great is your name. See, see, what God wants us to do is, Jesus wants us to do is to spend time, first of all, declaring God's greatness. Why does he want us to do that? So that we know who God is. And so we can start out and talk, talking to God about how great he is. You, that he's, what are some of the words we used to describe God? God he's loving, right? Holy. What are some other things? Come on, we can have, we're having school today, come on. All-knowing, awesome, what else? What else? Everywhere, and those are all those omnis, omnipresent, omniscient, you know, omni, you know, all the omnis. Used to be a car, but I mean, I mean omnis, he's all those omni things, right? Right? He's all the omnis. And so, so God has all those qualities. And whenever we, we recognize who he is, it reminds us of God's nature. And so when we're bringing prayer requests to him, whenever we're in relationship with him, we understand that he is God, and guess who's not? We're not. And it puts God in, the, in proper perspective. It puts a right context for us to pray to God. And so when we bring our request, if he's all omni. Potent, you know, all-powerful, right? 
Guess what? We know that he can do it. If he's omniscient and he's all-knowing, we know that he already knows what we want and what we need. And he knows things that we don't know. And there may be reasons why he says no. Because he's all-knowing. And it begins to put us in the right context for praying this next part, which is the hard part. This is the difficult part. This is the part that we want to all push back away from because this part is difficult. This part is hard. Because when we say this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that prayer. Your kingdom come. Your reign, your rule, your control, your influence, everything that is going on in this earth, Lord God, we want your will, your agenda. And who guess, guess who that, that includes? It includes my agenda. It includes your plans. It includes your will. It includes all that stuff that we want to have, that we want God to do. It says, you know what? I'm willing to submit to your will. This request is all about God, isn't it? It's about his kingdom. It's about his name, and it's about his will. We are asking God to expand his kingdom on, on, uh, in our lives. You're asking, whenever you pray this prayer, you're asking God to expand his kingdom. It's, a, it's an idea that you're asking God to fulfill, fulfill, listen to this, to fulfill his will in your life. You're asking God that you're saying, I'm going to surrender my agenda to your agenda. It's about surrendering your will to God's will. That's what this is about. It's about saying, you know, first I declare God's greatness, and the second thing I do, I surrender my will to God's will. See, a lot of us, I mean, I mean how many of you accepted Jesus Christ in some form or fashion while they were a child, you know, a kid? A lot of us did, okay? A lot of us accepted Jesus Christ one form or another, and then life sort of went on, right? We went on, maybe we went to, maybe we went to, 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 to college, we graduated from high school, became a teenager, got married, whatever it is, and for some reason, we sort of, you know, put that in the category, that whole Jesus thing, and we put it in the category of not right now. You know what I mean? Anybody relate to that, you know, the not right now, you know, not during this time. I have plenty of time to get serious about Jesus later. And, and then sometime along the, the line, along this trip, um, something changed. And I mean, during that time period, we prayed prayers like this. My Father in heaven, my kingdom come. My will be done on earth. Because I really don't give a rip about heaven. And we pray a prayer like this. Give me this day whatever I want. Right? And forgive me of my debts, because I'm going to have plenty of them. Right? And lead me not into temptation, because I can find it for myself. Thank you very much. And that's sort of our prayer during that period of time, right? But then there comes a time, there comes a period in our lives, there comes, comes a spot, many of you can recognize this, the spot in our lives where we, we, we say that, you know, either one of two choices, either we're at the bottom of the barrel, and we recognize, you know, life is just not working. Life is just not working. And we come back to Jesus. We come back to his church. Right? And we do this surrender thing. 
it's not working. Or, 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 or we're at the top of the heap. And everything is going pretty good. But whenever you're at the top of the heap and you've climbed the corporate ladder and you've done whatever you're going to do and you've stick, you, you climb that corporate ladder and you find out at the top of that ladder, guess what? I'm on the wrong wall. And something happens inside you. Something happens inside you that says, you know what? This isn't working either. This isn't working at all. And so they're there. Whenever you realize that, whenever you begin to surrender your will to the Father's will, you know what happens? That's where life change begins. That's where real life change begins to happen within our soul. Now, how long does this take? I don't know. It probably has a lot to do with your relationship with Jesus, relationship with God at the time. There's two times that Jesus, you can see Jesus praying. One time was Jesus at the, at the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus had, had died. He, Jesus purposely showed up late. Have you ever felt like God showed up late in your life? Well, this is what Jesus purposely shows up late in Mary and Martha's life. He comes there in Luke 11. You don't have to look at it right now. But what he does is he, he, he shoots up a 10-second prayer. You know, God... I've told them to roll away the stone. Here it is. You know, you know what you need to do. I know what you need to do. We're doing this. I'm basically praying this so that they'll know that I'm doing this thing. So then he says, Lazarus, come out. And it comes out. And that's all, he does. That's all that happens. See, it's only, you know, he already knows what God's will is. He already knows what the Father's will is. He's doing it. But boom. You know, 10 seconds. But there's another time in Jesus' life. It's a time whenever he's in the garden. Guess what he does there? He prays all night. And his prayer, and each time he says the same prayer, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And yet at the same time, he's wrestling and wrestling and wrestling with the Father. And he's, and he's there, God, is there any way for this cup to be passed for me? Is there any other options? Is there a third choice here? Is there a second choice? Is there some other way? And guess what? He gets so upset about it, so upset to surrender to the Father's will that he knows that this is going to be painful. Guess what he does? He bleeds. You know, his sweat becomes drops of blood. I mean, it, it just it becomes so painful for him. Even Jesus, which is strange to us, just strange to us, has to wrestle with the Father over surrendering to his will because it was going to be so hard. And so sometimes you and I, when it comes to the Father's will, when it comes to doing his will in a particular area of our lives, it may take a little time because there's certain things that are just hard for us to surrender, isn't it? Isn't it hard, some things hard to surrender to God? Sometimes it's our wallet. Sometimes it's our children. Sometimes it's our boyfriend or our girlfriend. Sometimes it's a relationship that, you know what, God, I can do. Or maybe it's work. Can I really surrender this portion of my life over to you? See, the length of your prayers is not determined by God's ability but rather the condition of our hearts. It has more to do with our hearts than God's ability, because God's ability is always there, isn't it? And so it's whenever we are able to come to God and then surrender things, it's God, even, even before I begin my list of prayer requests, before I begin the, I want you from you, God, I'm going to surrender myself to your lordship in my life. Even if you say no, God, I believe you know what's best. I'm willing to surrender your will. Now, I might come back with that request again. That's, you know, we do that. That's okay. 
But whatever it is, God, I'm willing to surrender. Now, that's hard, isn't it? Even if you say no. And so we begin by declaring God's greatness, how great he is, that he's awesome and he's powerful and he's mighty and he's loving and he's caring. And he's, he's a, you know, this morning I was reading out of, the, out of Jeremiah and it talks about him being a vengeful God. I mean, that's who he is. We've got to know who he is. God knows who he is. We tell him of his greatness. But then we surrender, surrender our wills to his will. And the third thing is that we acknowledge our dependency. We acknowledge our dependency. Now, this is the word, verse 11 is a verse we like because it starts off with our favorite word when it comes to prayer. Give me. Give me. We like that one, right? Give me this day my daily bread. You know, give us today our daily bread. Give me. And we like that one. And it would take, it would take these Jewish boys back to a time in the life of Israel when Israel was wandering around, when the daily bread was su- supplied by God in the form of this stuff called manna. And they would eat of this manna. And God would supply daily what they needed, just enough for that day. Except on Fridays, he would supply enough for two days. And then, then that's all they would get. And so what God is saying here to us, and what Jesus is saying here to us, is I want you to be dependent upon us whether I'm supplying it on a daily basis each day or whether, like the Israelites, once they got into the land, that you recognize that when you have more than enough, that you're still dependent upon God for what you have. You're still dependent upon the Father for your needs. You're still dependent upon Him. See, we need to acknowledge our dependency upon God for provision. That's what this is about. And then secondly, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Know what that's acknowledging God's dependency for? For our pardon. This just says, when Eric was baptized this morning, he could not rely upon his own ability to work a little harder, to be a little better. He had to come to the Father through Jesus Christ for pardon. And because you pardon me, Lord, I'm going to pardon others. I'm going to release debts that people owe me because you've paid the biggest debt that I owed. The third thing that we need to acknowledge, acknowledge protection that comes from Acknowledge our dependency upon Christ's protection and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Is that we need to acknowledge that we are dependent upon God, upon Jesus Christ for protection. Spiritual protection, physical protection, emotional protection. We need God's protection in our lives. And, 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 and then that's where, the, that's where it ends, isn't it? Now, a lot of us um, learned a little bit more to this prayer, didn't we? Right? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, what? Forever and ever, amen. You know, we, we, you know, because this is such a bad ending. I mean, just sort of end there. Why isn't that part in there? Why, why? Well, what happened was, is that whenever in 19, or 1611, whenever um, King James you know, wrote the Bible, actually it was the scholars, it wasn't King James. King James um, translated the Bible. They had this part because somebody earlier said, you know what, this is a bad ending. And so they added, for thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. And they found some older manuscripts that dated back a little bit bit further than that. And they said, you know what, Jesus probably didn't say that. So in the newer translations, you don't have it. So, you know, when someone says to me, you know, 
Do you, we should use the King James Version, I'll say, which is done in 1611, fine. If you want to go to a surgeon who was trained in 1611, we'll do that as well. Um, just a thought, just a thought. Okay. Now, when you go to a wedding, they sing the song, right? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the... Come on, go with me. Glory forever. Right? That's what they do. And that, and that makes nice for a wedding. All right? But isn't it great? I mean, you think about it. Even that ending is, is, is a nice ending because it's about his kingdom. It's about his power and it's about his glory. It's about God. See, the hard part isn't really declaring God's greatness, is it? The hard part is not acknowledging our dependency upon God, because it's easy for us to go straight to our request list, straight to our, our things that we want. Know what the hard part is? It's that middle section, isn't it? That middle section is the tough part. That middle section is the hard part. It's the hard part of surrendering my will to the Father's will. See, whenever, whenever and, and it gets different and harder as, as you go along, because see, whenever I was in college and I said, you know, Lord Jesus, here, you can have everything I want. Here, here, take all that I have. And God and Jesus is looking down on me and say, yeah, you got an eight-track tape player. You know, you got a bunch of country western songs by Willie and Waylon and the boys. Big deal. Big deal. But it changes, you know. When you gain things like, you know, like a wife and children. It gets more difficult when you have a house and a car. It gets harder when you got a 403B or 401K plan. It's a lot harder when you have something to surrender. It's a lot harder whenever you have to put something on the, on the table. See, before I ask, I've got to be able to take no for an answer. I've got to be able to say, you know what, if he says no, he's God and I'm not. Maybe he knows something better than I do, and he does. See, and, and, and what we have to do is we have to start exploring and saying, you know, Lord God, reveal to me those places that I'm not surrendered. Because a lot of us... We are so self-deceiving. You know what? We can deceive ourselves so easily. We think that we got an area of our lives surrendered over to him. And, you know, we really don't. We really don't. Because, see, we think, that, we think that if I surrender this area over, that somehow that's the only way God's going to get it. You know, if God wants something that you have, he can take it very easily. Thank you very much. And he can if he wants something that you got, if you, if you think that God can't take it from you, your God is way, way too ditsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, you know? God can take whatever he wants. But there's a reason he doesn't take it. The reason he doesn't take it is because he's more concerned about something else. He's more concerned about what's in your heart more than what's in your hand. He's more concerned about grabbing hold of your heart rather than what you have. He doesn't care about that. He's got, he got all the money that God has. I mean, he's got everything that God has, so he has everything. Besides that, you're not going to take it with you anyhow, and he's going to get it in the end, so he can wait you out. He can wait you out. Because he's more concerned about your heart. The key to prayer is declaring God's greatness. It's surrendering yourself 
all of yourself, all that you have to your heavenly Father. And sometimes wrestling with God, you're going to have to wrestle with God to surrender those parts. It's okay. If you say, you know, God, I, I love you. I'm surrendering all these areas, but, you know, I'm having a difficult time with maybe my wallet or whatever. You know, wrestle with God. Take the time it is to wrestle with him. And maybe, maybe you run out of time right then, and maybe the next morning you've got to get up again and, and say, you know what, God, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm still, I still want to surrender this to you, but I, but I, but I know I'm not. And so, God, I, I'd like to, and I'm trying to, but I'm having a hard time with this. Why don't I want to give this? Why don't I trust you? Help me to understand you better. And so, you know, just, because why? It's more about a relationship. It's more about a relationship than a to-do list. It's more about a relationship than anything else. When Jesus died on the cross, what part of you did he die for? He died for all of you, didn't he? Every part of you. See, we should surrender to God because God deserves it, because how great he is. But we should surrender to God also because Jesus earned it. He paid the price for you and for me. And that's how Jesus said we are to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because I know you know better on earth in my life as it is in heaven. Give us this day, this, this day. I'm so dependent upon you for my provision my daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. For thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power and the glory, the greatness. 